don't ask the person who is grieving what they need because they don't have any idea what they need. Provide for them, help them do the small everyday tasks. I know for John and I, we didn't even know how to brush our teeth. Staying motivated takes work. If you don't work on your motivation, you become unmotivated. Join Umar Jang as he shares inspirational stories and tips to get you motivated to do whatever you need to do. This is the Motivational Voice Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Motivational Voice Podcast. This is session number 22. Thank you for listening and thank you for spending part of your day with me today. A lot has happened since I recorded the last episode of the podcast. I have had a lot of changes in my life and many, many events, mostly good things, but unfortunately, they took me away from podcasting a little bit longer than I anticipated. But one thing I will never stop doing is bringing you stories to add value to your daily life, and in doing so, I hope to get you motivated and continue to provide value. If you have been concerned about me dropping off the face of the earth, fear not. I am here. I am back. I am here to stay. The podcast is here to stay. All right. Now that I've gotten that out of the way, I am very, very excited to share today's interview with you. Today, we are talking about loss. And by that, I mean the death of someone close to you. It could be a parent, a grandparent, a sibling, a spouse, or a significant other. At some point in our lives, we will lose someone close to us. Unfortunately, that's a fact of life that we cannot avoid. The sad truth is that we are never really truly ready for the death of a loved one. I can tell you from experience that it is one of the most painful things a person can ever go through. When you are grieving, it can feel like the world stopped spinning, that people stopped listening, and somehow you are living in a time bubble and someone is playing a cruel joke on you by reaching deep inside your chest, ripping out your heart and stabbing it multiple times. It really, really feels that bad. So, if you are grieving right now, you need to know that there is a way out. And this episode is going to help you through that. My guest today is Ronnie Lambrecht. Ronnie and her husband lost their only son, Dalton, to a tragic accident. He was only 15 years old. After going through the painful process of grieving, she decided to share her experiences so that others may benefit from it. So without further ado, here is my interview with Ronnie. Ronnie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for joining me. Hi, Omar. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to, to have you on the podcast. And would you start by just introducing yourself and telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Uh, my name is Ronnie Lambrecht, and I recently have released three books, Um in the realm of parenting and the reason that I did so is um, because we actually lost our son a little over four and a half years ago in an ATV accident and he was our only child yeah, and so that. yeah thank you um, and so we wanted to use our experiences to help current parents to um, to live their lives better with their children and pay more attention and just be more mindful and um, and on top of that, I also speak quite a bit on grief and and so kind of all different spectrums of of um, things. But yeah, so we're trying to 
trying to go through our grieving process by using using it to help others. Yes. That's very helpful. I, I think a lot of parents or people who, who lose a loved one will generally tend to not want to talk about it, which which is understandable. Uh, but the fact that you are you have the courage and and um, and the tenacity to to talk about it and share your story uh, is is really refreshing and, and welcome. How are you using uh, your you know your 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 story and then your um, your circumstance to to educate people? Well, with the um, again doing a lot of talking on grief to kind of help really more of the caregivers of the people who are grieving. Um, help them to figure out better ways to to help those who are grieving. And then also um, on the flip side of that, um, parents who are lucky enough to still have their kids to, to really focus on their time. So in my books, um, those actually came from, my husband has a lot of regrets with our son that he didn't spend the time with him that he thought he should have and that kind of a thing. And don't get me wrong, my husband was a phenomenal father, um, and, um, but, but as you look back on things, when, when you, every time you lose someone, you you regret certain things, you know, I, I didn't call them that day or I didn't do this that day or that kind of a thing. And my husband has a lot of regrets and, and, and the ideas that he, that he says he would like other people to know about. Um, he said, you know, you're the writer and the family and it would be wonderful if you, could share this with other people and help them be better with their own kids and not be as busy as I was and to take the time to, you know, teach their kids, you know, how to work in the yard and, and how to work on cars or whatever they, whatever they do, play baseball, whatever. Um, but to take the time to do that and not be as busy focused on work and making money. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very good point uh, in that, you know, parents work, uh, and, and that's that's just the way things are. You have to somehow pay the bills. You have to also find a way to spend time with the family. And I think sometimes what suffers is um, we take each other for granted, right? We, we wake up every Absolutely. morning. And, um, and I, I think what, what suffers sometimes is that, you know, relationship and finding a way to spend time with family. What have you learned from... You know, from your experience in terms of what people should be doing to to spend more time with family, given that they have all these responsibilities that they have to deal with as well. Absolutely, I think one of the one of the biggest things is is using your chores and all of the things that you do have to do in your life, using those to um, to create that time. So you have to do dishes, you have to make dinner, you have to do laundry, all those kind of things. You um, I don't know, some, most people take their car oil to get changed or whatever. My husband does that here. <laughs> um, but, but those kind of things do have to be done. And, and in doing so, you can include your family members and, and um, spend that time with them. So if you're going to do dishes, do dishes together. If you're going to go grocery shopping, do that together. Mm. Um, driving to and from school or to, you know, those kind of things. Just using that time effectively instead of letting your child play on their phone or, be on a video game when they're in the, when you're in the car together, be listening to music together, talking about your days, um, you know, spend time together at night. Do, you know, if maybe everybody's busy, but right before bedtime, come together and spend five or 10 minutes cuddling and ask them about their day. And more importantly, teach them to ask about your day. Um, because it's important for our kids, first of all, to know that we're not drilling them all the time, 
um, you know, how was your day? Tell me who you were hanging out with kind of a thing. But for them to also know how to communicate back to you and, um, and, and to ask about your day because you're a human being and you have a life outside of them as well. And so while we're drilling them on their day, they should be, you know, asking us questions about ours as well. And so in doing so, I think that that builds confidence between the two parties, parent and child. Um, but it also gives gives everyone an opportunity to know that you are human beings outside of this relationship and that there are other things going on in everyone's life other than what you see on a daily basis. And at one point in our lives, uh, it's uh, almost inevitable we will lose someone that we love. How do you reconcile the, the idea of, of continuing to live your life and, and uh but also not feeling guilty about grieving and, and basically moving forward? That's a tough question. <laughs> um, you know, we've both my husband, John and I have decided that we, we need to focus on helping others and, um, and obviously making money. We have to do the best job possible so we can pay our bills. So working with our clients and, and doing the best that we can for them. But in addition to that, um, if we have if we have to be here because you know you can you can choose other options here but but if we have to be here um making sure that we use the time effectively and um and build relationships in our life that are worth building so um we've definitely done some oh cleaning house in our relationship pool the people who are constantly drawing on us and bringing us down or that kind of a thing we've kind of moved away from them and moved to more people who are more supportive and, and who we feel like we can support in a better, better way. Um, I know when you lose someone, um, especially a child, uh, a lot of people in your life don't want to talk to you anymore. And I don't know if it's because they think that you have um, a disease that you're going to give them and they're going to lose their child too, or um, they just don't know what to say, which is obviously probably more what the fact is. Um, but I will tell you as someone, as a griever, I would tell you that um, on, from the outside looking in, I would tell you that it's always best to just talk to that person and just say, you know what, I don't know what to say to you, but I'm here and I'm ready to help and I'm ready to do what you, you know anything you need for me to do to help you. Um, and um, and don't ever say, what can I do to help you? Because as grievers, we don't have any idea what will help other than, you know, for me, bring my baby back. That's the only thing I care about. Just bring him back. And knowing that that's not going to happen means that obviously I can't ask for that. And um, and so there, but there are other things that people can do to help. And that is being there and listening and, and um, you know, just talking about your child, talking about your loved one. And, and asking you to tell them stories about them. There is a, a phrase that I've, I've, I've seen you use, which is focusing on the light. Yes. What do you mean by that? And what, what does it uh, mean for you? Well, let's see. For me, it means uh, more focusing on the blessings that we have um, than focusing on the things that we've lost. And so in our case... Um, we could certainly, and, and in fact, uh, most most grievers will focus on the things that they lost. So in our case, we could focus on that Dalton didn't get to get his driver's license. He didn't get to go to prom. He didn't get to finish out school. He didn't get to go to the Marines like he wanted to. Um, I don't get to watch him get married. I don't get grandbabies. I could focus on all of those terrible things. 
But instead, my husband and I choose to focus on the fact that we had 15 years and eight months and three days and 15 hours with the most beautiful kid in the world. And he was so cool. And we, we learned so much from him, probably more from him than he did from us. <laughs> um, especially now it seems like, um, but, uh, God, he was just awesome. And, and we really, in the whole scheme of things, I do think that we were really great parents and we did use a lot of our time effectively. Um, but there's some things that we were not good at. And, um, but, but instead of focusing on those things, focusing on the things that we did do right. You know, we did, we cuddled every single night of his entire life. We cuddled every night and we did what we called our highs and lows. And we're, Dalton had to go and say what his high for the day was and what his low for the day was. And then we would discuss it. And then it was John's turn. And John had to say what his high and his low was. And then it was my turn. And um, I'll tell you, a lot of times as an adult, we don't give kids enough credit. I remember so many times when John or I were having a rough day at work or a rough day with a client or something was going on. And Dalton would say, well, why don't you just do this? And it was so simple that we never even thought of it. <laughs> but um, but focusing on those moments and the fact that we really, we did have those moments and that we did appreciate them when they were here um, is, is really important. And so I think focusing on the light for me is just focusing on the things that are right here in front of you and the, and the blessings that you do have in your life. So, you know, for you and I today, we get to s sit here together and focus on each other and, and be together and enjoy each other. And, and I think that's important for everyone to do. If you're going to spend time to go meet with someone, have dinner with someone, you know, do anything with anyone, make sure you're there and you're present and you put your phone away and you put your computer away and, and you're right there with that person enjoying the moment. Yeah, I think that's a very good point in that sometimes you go out to, to dinner or even uh, anywhere really and you see people on their phones. They're supposed to be having dinner and talking to each other, but they're on their phones, right? They're looking, yes. Yeah, they're basically waiting for the food to come. To, yes. But during that time, those dead moments, they're not talking. They're just looking on their, on their phones. Now, you mentioned earlier some of the, the rituals that you did in terms of uh, talking about your highs and lows. Did you find it uh, difficult to continue, or do you actually continue doing those rituals uh, since Dalton has passed? Hmm, that's a good question. No, um, I guess we don't really do that. We, um, but I would say that John and I personally in our marriage, we do definitely talk more than we did before. We, and we talk about um, deeper things than we did before. You know. A lot of times, I mean, we've always had a great marriage, don't get me wrong, but I think a lot of times we focus on, oh, how was your day at work today? And, you know, that kind of a thing. And, but you don't get to the deeper kinds of things. And now we definitely get to the deeper part of everything. So we, um, we definitely talk more and we are together a whole lot more. And, and I'll tell you, when we definitely find more solace in each other because we're the only two people who will ever know what we're going through. When you say get to the deeper part, deeper conversations, uh, without necessarily talking about what you talked about, but what, what do you mean by that? I mean, really talking about how we're feeling and how things are, how we are progressing through our grief and, and, um, and, and, it, and was my, did something wrong happen in my day because I was grieving and I handled it incorrectly? Um, or, 
you know, uh, how is that a best to explain? Like, instead of just saying something went wrong and, oh, well, you know, sorry you had a bad day or that kind of thing. It's more getting to the root of things and really saying, okay, so when that happened, how did you react? And and could you have reacted in a different way? Um, could it had been handled in a, in a better manner? Or, um, you know, do you feel good about what, how you did this? Or do you feel good about this client and that they're happy with your, you know, how you've, what you've produced for them or that kind of a thing? Um, just being j- more, just on a deeper level, being more connected, I guess is the word. So exploring yeah. the topic more uh, rather yes. than just kind of skipping the, the exactly. surface. surface. Yeah, being okay. on the surface. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. And I think, there are times where, um, even in, in my, my marriage, my relationship, uh, I'll, I'll ask, you know, my wife, uh, how was your day? Or we'll say to each other, well, how was your day? Or how are you? And uh, generally, it's uh, fine. Well, exactly. Generally, it's not yes. fine. It's, uh, <laughs> but they're giving you, you know, you have to look and look at their body language and see that, you know, they're saying fine. And all of a sudden, they, their facial muscles are really showing pain or, or grief or sadness and yes. just it's understanding digging deeper and saying are you really fine and um, you know, let's talk about it and then just giving right. them an opportunity to open up absolutely and we kind of have an unspoken rule in our life in our marriage that we don't do one word answers mm-hmm. um, so we don't use fine and um, um, that if I use if I use fine John knows I'm mad no <laughs> <But> <laughs> Um, but no, I think that, um, we definitely, you know, when you say, how was your day? We, we definitely now will go into whole detail about our days now and what happened and, you know, that kind of a thing and who we were with or who we talked to today or who we got to meet or that kind of a thing. So it is definitely on a deeper spectrum now than, than we were before. Yes. Yeah. That's a, I think that goes to the core of being able to to open up and, and communicate uh, in really in any relationship, which is oddly enough, which is really can be hard to do. Uh, Absolutely. Well, we, with the whole world these days being pretty surfacey and not really, I mean, nobody wants to get deep. It seems like anymore. And and in fact, a lot of times when you're out um, in public and you're meeting new people and networking and that kind of a thing. Um, People don't really want to get to know you and who you are and all they care about is what you do for a living and can they use your services or can you use their services, that kind of a thing. And so we're definitely more focused on not being shallow and wanting to make sure that we're we're out there and we're spending our time with quality people who also want to spend quality time with quality people and who are not just going to be surfacey kind of folks. Yeah. Yeah. How would you recommend people deal with the, the, the guilt? Really? Why me? Why us? Why did this happen? And should I, what could I have, to have done differently? Those kind of things. You know, honestly, I, that's definitely for everyone to decide because everyone has different kind of religious beliefs. Um, for John and I, what we've come up with is there's no explanation why this happened to our son. He was a good person. We were good people. It's not fair. You know, you can go through all of those things um, and you can say, you know, the, you know, person in Denver yesterday was, you know, hurt or, you know, murdered by some terrible person. And why didn't that person get taken instead of my baby? Um, And 
And in all honesty, I, there comes a point that you realize you can't do anything about that. And, and so for us, we've kind of built a story around that um, our, our lives are maybe written before we get here. And, um, and, and that the day that we lost Dalton on his ATV is the, that was the day he was meant to go. He was, he was supposed to only have 15 years and eight months and three days here. Um, and that's when he was supposed to go and, and that he knew it and, um, and that that was just the way it was supposed to be. Because for us, if we're consistently stuck in that circle and that hamster wheel of why did this happen to me and blame and anger, um, we will become very bitter people. And, um, and, and it's easy to get caught up in that. Um, but I'll tell you that we, we really spend a lot of time trying to help others and trying to be focused on our work and to be, frankly, very busy. We're, we're busy about 18 hours a day. And, and while I don't know that that's totally healthy when you're grieving, um, my grief coach would argue that, that it's not healthy. Um, for us, it's what helps us get through each day at this point is just being busy and, and again, making sure that we're surrounding ourselves with people who, who are... Um, who want to be in a relationship, not just people who want to be acquaintances. Yeah. Well, that's something you said is really interesting and, and stood out to me in that our lives are written before we, we get here. Yes. For, for those of us who are, who are religious and in, uh, well, believe in God, the, it's interesting because uh, there's a belief where I come from that there is something that's unseen about the decisions that, that are godly and divine that we cannot anticipate. Um, yes. He, he knows what's happening here. He or she, how, however you want to <laughs> <laughs> designate him or her. So God knows those things that are hidden. So there is a sense of, um, of closure, if you will, that, that we, at least I get from knowing that there will be things that we will never be able to understand as to why. Yes, to your point. There's a murder out there and killing people, and they've killed several people. They're doing horrible things in the world. Somehow they live to be 75, 80, and, and exactly. Uh, but then yes. the, you know, there's a five-year-old, or in your case, you know, 15-year-old who who passes away doing something uh, that that's enjoyable and fun. Uh, but then he's he's taken away. Uh, what I want to say really is, you can find solace in the fact that it may be very difficult to to find. It's maybe a tiny piece of diamond in a pile of hay yes uh, that that's very powerful for those out there who maybe they just they just lost someone they're going through grief what things can you recommend they do in those especially in those first few days and the first few weeks or a couple of weeks um i would definitely say to surround yourself with people who love you and and respect you um i know for us it's very difficult to ask for help and in those first several weeks, um, we had so many people here at the house coming in and out of the house and that kind of a thing. And so I would tell you that it is, while, while you're in the moment and you're feeling like, get all these people away from me and I want them away. And um, it is really important that you do take your time and go to your bedroom or go to a place that is safe for you, but to also come out and, and force yourself to be involved with those people and to talk because those people are grieving as well. And in their grief, all they want to do is help you. And um, I know for us, 
Uh, I know we felt in the beginning a lot that we were we were counseling other people more than they were counseling us because they were struggling so badly with how do we help you? What can we do to make this better for you? And and we were like, there's nothing you can do to make this better. Bring my baby back. That's the only thing that would make this better. So so no, you can't do anything to make this better other than to maybe make my life easier in a smaller capacity. So, you know, do laundry, go to the grocery store, um, mow the lawn, um, make me eat. I, I still, four and a half years later, I don't remember to eat unless John says, hey, babe, it's time to eat. <laughs> we, yeah. I'm hungry. Let's eat. You know, I don't, I I literally could go days without eating because I, I don't think about it. It doesn't even cross my mind. My husband, on the other hand, wants to eat 24 hours a day. Um, people grieve differently. Um, but I would just tell you, definitely in those first several weeks to surround yourself with really good people and... Um, and then to and and I know as being on the other side of that, the person who is not grieving, the person who's there to help, um, I would say to those people, don't ask the person who is grieving what they need because they don't have any idea what they need. Provide for them, help them do the small everyday tasks. I know for John and I, we didn't even know how to brush our teeth. And I'm serious when I say that. We literally my mom came to California to help us because we were on a vacation in California when we lost Dalton. And she put us, she undressed us, put us in the shower, um, washed our hair for us, you know, taught us how to wash our bodies again. She taught us how to brush our teeth. She taught us how to put our underwear on again. I mean, it was that it, it's almost as if you've been in this horrible accident that your body cannot function almost like you're a, quadriplegic um and i don't mean to to say that um you know for someone who is who is a quadriplegic but it is it's like your body doesn't work anymore and your brain cannot tell your hands or your feet or whatever to do what they need to do to make things happen in your everyday life and so for those people helping the griever i would say just be there and help them do the small everyday things no that's a very good point in some cultures, when when someone passes away, whether it's a son or a spouse, you will generally see if the husband passes away in those cultures, um, where the, the women, women will actually take 40 days where they don't really do much. You know, they are literally just staying in their houses and, and um, for 40 days they just take time to be themselves and uh, the community basically surrounds them to do exactly what you're saying. You know, they help them, they cook, they, they clean, they do everything that they need. And th- there's a reason for that, right? It, 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 there's a certain, certain um, sorrow that kind of surrounds you if you lose someone, and especially if it's someone that you've lived around for years and years. So I, I think it's important to, to, talk, to talk about that and, and highlight that, that you really... You, there is really no timeline for how long you have to grieve, and then you have to just take that time and 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 do do what you need to do. Cry if you need to, and and uh, you know scream at the top of a mountain if you need to. Uh, right. And I think that that's a that's a good call out. Is there anything that that you you wish you knew before uh, before this happened? Hmm. Wow, that's a good question too, Omar. <laughs> um. I, um, I'm actually very glad that 
my son and I actually had a talk the night before he passed away. And this is where I will tell you that I think that the story is kind of written. And I think that Dalton knew because the night before he passed, he, we were having a, a conversation and he said, you know, mom, I'm, I'm content with my life right now. I'm totally content with my life right now. And, and you think about what 15 year old in the world even knows what content even means, (laughs) but much less to make that comment. And it was so interesting to me to, um, to know that he was content and to know that he knew he was loved. And, and so for parents who are still lucky enough to have their kids, um, I would tell you, have those conversations, you know, um, write love letters to your kids and teach them how to write love letters back to you. And, um, and in doing so and, and, and talk to each other and that kind of a thing. But because I will tell you as a, as a parent looking back, it is so important to me and the, the most important to me to know that while Dalton was here and even now in heaven, that he knows how much he was loved and, as parents, I know we question it all the time, whether our, whether our child is, has passed or they're going through a rough time in their life, they're going through drug abuse or suicide or um, a horrible relationship. And as parents, we want to fix it all the time. And I will tell you what matters the most when you're looking at it from the backside is to know that your child knew how much you cared about them and how much you loved them and that you would do anything to make their life better, easier, more loving. And, um, and so no, in all honesty, um, if I could change one thing, obviously it would be that he is still here, but I can't change that. So, um, I would wish that that morning that we had cuddled, that would Mm. be the only thing, (laughs) um, um, or in Dalton's words, we hung out. Um, he wouldn't say cuddling anymore, but um, but yeah, I, that would be the only thing I would change is that we just had time that morning to cuddle and um, talk to each other that morning. But it was really rushed, and um, so we didn't get yeah. that time. So, yeah, yeah, that's no, that's that's very touching. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, the it's it's interesting that you say that he knew. I've had a lot of relatives, uh, specifically my, my dad, who, who died in his fi- early 50s, a um, little young. The night before, he we were hanging out in the living room, had a, f- a family member visiting from a different country, uh, who oddly enough had a dream that my dad was going to pass away. So oh my she gosh. traveled a day and a half, uh, and this was it's West Africa, so the roads were not very good. So traveling 300 miles could take eight hours. Anyway, so she traveled, came over and spent time with us. And, and she told us about her dream that how she dreamt that uh, my father died. And uh, she is the one that if she dreams about something, people get scared. You listen. <laughs> they yes. listen. So she came over literally and we hadn't seen her in years and years. And uh, sure enough, that Saturday evening, uh, middle of the night, my dad had a stroke. And, and, and he woke my mom up in the middle of the night telling her that, um, you know, I think my time is up and, and I'm going to die. I would like to take a bath before I pass um, so that oh. people don't have to clean my body. Um, so it's it's interesting that some people just know um, that it's yes. going to happen. And that's that's a blessing in that you can say goodbye uh, with the little time that you have and, and get a chance to. So I'm, I'm glad that um, you had that moment with, uh, with Dalton. 
now in your book you you are you mentioned journaling your child could you talk a little bit more about what that means absolutely um for me um <clears throat> i love to write and i've always been a writer my whole life i've always loved to write and so before dalton was ever born when we found out that he was in my tummy um i went and bought a journal and started writing love, love letters to him and um and they were everything from you know what that we're scared to be parents and <laughs> you know everything like that but um but more so how lucky that he was to have John for his daddy and um and how lucky I was to have have John as my husband and my best friend and and um that we were going to make this pr- beautiful family and um that we would always love each other and you know just I just wrote him a lot of things and then when he was born I wrote about things like you know um you know little events in their lives and funny things he would say and funny things that would happen that you you know those events that happen with your kids and you want to remember them forever because they're just the funniest thing or they make you they you know make your heart smile and um anyway and so I had written all those things for years and and um in addition to that I had also taught Dalton how to write and and not so much like how like you know put the comma here and this kind of thing it was more um that it's really important always to put your love in writing to people that you care about because you never know when something might happen and it's always good to have something tangible and so I taught Dalton how to um how to write cards so for every birthday he was required to write birthday cards and and in the first several years you know a boy in general I mean if it was a little girl she might be more excited about it but a little boy was like oh my god I have to write a card and how stupid mom I hate this and um but in the in um as he grew he loved to do it and he would come up with really cool stuff and he would and then sometimes he designed them on the computer and sometimes he drew all over them and colored them and all kinds of stuff um but it was it's really cool like my parents actually before Dalton ever passed away um my parents actually created an entire wall of all the cards that Dalton had written to them and um because they wanted him to know how important it was that he did that and um anyway it's just cool and and so i think that that journaling to your child and teaching them how to also how to write in return and it can be anything from a thankful journal to a travel journal to a um to little things like maybe you have a child who doesn't like to talk very much but they will maybe write and so instead of them telling you that you know they got in an argument with a friend today at school or someone at school called them fat or someone told them they were ugly or and it hurt their feelings maybe they can't verbalize that but maybe they can write it down in a little journal and hand it to you and and then you can write down something in that journal and hand it back to them um you know there's all different kinds of of journaling techniques that there are but um in my book say I talk about it more in that I just think it's important to leave something tangible to your loved ones and no matter if it's your child, your parent, an aunt, an uncle, a friend, um but anyone in your life, I just think it's really important to take any moment that you that you have the opportunity to to just write down your love for them, you know, today you really made me smile when you did x or um you know, your being around you makes me happy, that kind of a thing. And I it's just important that 
um, that we're creating good, healthy people who know how to communicate because they're going out into a world that is terrible at communication. And um, we need to make better people, better communi- communicators out of people. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be long, does it? It could just be a paragraph oh, or two. Or even a sentence, you know. Today, I, I love your eyes today. Your eyes are really sparkling today. Or I mean, it's something really, really small and minor, but it makes them smile. It makes them feel good about themselves. Or, um, and it makes you feel good to write it. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, when I sometimes go through old file cabinets uh, when, you know, when we moved last time and then you run into some letters or a birthday card where you wrote something yes. nice. Uh, there's just something to seeing a the written word literally handwritten uh, about an, an event that happened in the past where it, it captures that moment very well and yes. then you can see and feel the thought process that went through that moment and it kind of take, takes you back uh, in a way that uh, not necessarily a, a picture wouldn't wouldn't do for example Megan Lyons uh, who I had on, uh, on the podcast uh, a couple episodes back uh, talking about the power of morning routines and she mentioned also journaling in terms yes. of kind of keeping your thoughts on putting your thoughts on paper. So, yeah, I think it's it's great that you, you're bringing that up. Now, you, you have a, a few books out there. I think you have uh, what, three books out? I do, yes. Right. So, yes. well, yeah, we'll make sure to, I'll make sure to add those on the, um, uh, in the show notes for the podcast. Um, okay, thank you. The, for the, so you have a parenting book called Parenting at Your Best, and you have the, a book on journaling specifically. Yes. Right, okay. Yes. So, and, and those are available. Where, where can, can people get those books from? Um, they can get them on my website at parentingatyourbestwithoutregrets.com. And they can also get them on Amazon. And my and Parenting at Your Best is actually um, an audio book as well. So. Oh, okay. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. So, before we wrap up, can you leave us perhaps with a one or, or two pieces of advice for, for thinking positively going forward. What are some of the things that, that worked well for you that you would advise people to, to do, those who are grieving or, or going through loss? Let's see. Well, again, most importantly, and we touched on it before, is just is really focusing on the blessings in your life, the good things in your life, um, and, and, and not spending so much time focusing on the bad. Uh, but definitely just focusing on on good things. And then another another thing that we we talk to a lot of people about too is is taking everyday moments and and making them special. I know as as human beings in general, as Americans, <laughs> we spend a lot of effort on oh we're gonna save up money and we're gonna go on this big trip with the family or whatever. And that big trip is eighteen months down the line or nine months down the line. And, and in that, we're forgetting, now it's good to have goals, but in that, in most times, we're kind of forgetting that we have today. And, and so it's really important to take today, and, and today can be 12 hours of work, and it can be insane, and things are overwhelming, and life is crazy, but then we have to come home, and oh my God, we have to do the dishes. Why didn't anybody do the dishes? Well, why don't we do those dishes together? You know, sit down and have a meal together and put your phones down and focus on each other and um, get away from the electronics and and get away from restaurants that have TVs and 
stuff everywhere where you can't focus on each other um and take a walk do just do small things together but if you have if you have a busy busy day and there's just no time to fit anything in take take some of those chores that you're doing and do them with the people that you love and it will make it better i promise that was my interview with ronnie lambrecht sharing tips on finding the light in the darkest of moments to be honest this interview personally took me back to when I lost my own father. He was my role model, my teacher, and my guiding star, among other things. When I look back to my childhood, I am thankful for having had 11 years with my father. I honor his memory by focusing on doing good, thinking about the positive things in life, being a good husband, a good father, a better friend, being kind and respectful to others, and giving back whenever I can. I hope you found this interview useful. If you did, do me a small favor and subscribe to the podcast and rate it so that you get notified when a new episode is live. I can't thank you enough for listening to the podcast and continuously spreading the word and allowing me to help inspire more people. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I hope to see you again next week for another episode. Until then, please stay safe and motivated. Sayonara. Thank you for listening to the Motivational Voice Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate it on iTunes. Get show notes and the latest blog posts at omarjang.com.